All right, Randy. So I actually have you saved on here as Randy Van Awesome. But that's not your real name, right? (laughs) That's awesome. So Randy Van Austin, uh, you and I went to seminary back in the day. And I'll, I'll actually say two compliments about you, okay? Is one, I always felt as though in the classes that we had together, I was like, I think this guy gets Jesus better than most people. And I don't know what it is about your temperament, but I think... I remember you not really giving in to some of the squabbles that sometimes people do in seminary, but I think even since then, I've uh, respected you from a distance with having started a Christian coffee shop, being a pastor, some of the stuff that you might put up on Facebook about some of your sermons, which I think are fantastic, but I also think um, you seem to be one of those pastors that understands being an activist at the same time in your own way so yeah i have nothing but compliments that's all i've appreciated you from a distance yeah i appreciate that john i've always had the same type of feelings for you Uh um you know i think it's great that we can see the body of christ um even in amongst of a few people because you were one that you were already very intelligent um and you had a, a good spiritual or theological grounding that a lot of times, like I didn't, I didn't, I didn't read a whole lot. Um, maybe because I, I was in seven or I was owned a small business, so I didn't read, you know. Yeah. And um, even as you talk about in a few of the emails that you send out about kind of getting back to like church history and some of the early theologians, early church fathers, I, I, I knew that you were into it. I always saw your journal, like you had that journal that you always brought with you to class that you always yeah. wrote notes in. Um, and I just, I don't know, like there's something about that, that really always was like, wow, I wish I could do that. And I start like I, I, after I got first got your first email, I started a journal again. I wrote two entries and that was about it. (laughs) Hey, that's awesome. That's cool. (laughs) That's awesome. It's uh, definitely an inspiration brother. Oh, thanks. I, um, well, maybe we should just go ahead. Let me, uh, say because some people might be listening to this rather than watching it on youtube so how would you describe yourself visually right now um some people say i look like a lion um from all the hair on top of my head um nice curly (laughs) hair i look like i have a lion's mane uh there's a picture from me from christmas eve with my family and they're like it's like it's like the the king with his with his cubs (laughs) <laughs> oh, that's actually uh, a great yeah, one. That's okay. Dis- yeah. um, so I got a long beard. Uh, there's a lot more gray in my beard than on top of my head. I got um, you. Yeah. So, but I got my tie-dye shirt on. You know, like just rocking that as well. <laughs> well, you know, uh, that's what your your Instagram is, right? It's a hippie, hippie pastor. pastor. Yeah. <laughs> you seem like you were born, like, to bring back the '70s in the right yeah. way. Yeah, probably. Yep. Um, but you know what? That's why I have a, my car is a 1975. So my own car. Well, yeah, I, I think we'll talk about your amazing vehicle at the end. All right. <laughs> but okay. So here's, here's the questions I had thought for you. I said before that you seem like you're one of those guys that actually gets Jesus. 
it doesn't because it seems like from what i've seen of you since seminary you seem like a great combination of both being faithful and being an activist and i i don't mean like politically in that sense but i mean you start a coffee shop but also you have this newer thing called lighthouse which is absolutely impressive and i i kind of think churches need to be more active in their own communities and just not always talking about Jesus, but being Jesus. So yeah. can you maybe share about the first off treehouse and then lighthouse and what's up with houses sure. there? Yeah. <laughs> I got two houses. No, never thought of that. That's really funny. Um, yeah, the treehouse, my wife and I owned that for about, uh, for just shy of 18 years. We kind of joked and said, it was hitting its 18th birthday, so it was time to go and experience the world as an adult. <laughs> wow, yeah. Um, but we had, um, I guess, that you know, before we opened, our whole thing was all about, I had worked for a lady that owned, it was called The Living Room, and she, her mission was to be a light in the community. And so she had opened the coffee shop. Um, after I started working for about five or six months, she had to sell the business. And this was the first food food service job that I ever uh, had. And um, I just, it just flowed naturally for me. You know, it's like one of those God things because I'd never done it before. Um, and God just opened doors. I was managing it um, when she wasn't around. Um, but so there was a group of us, like probably at least 10 of us that really wanted to keep this vision alive of being a light in the community. Um, but of course, things don't, you know, God doesn't always make the short term, you know, some kind of God takes you on a long journey. <laughs> and so that was January of probably 2001 or 2000, 2002, um, January 2002. And it wasn't until May of 2003 that we opened our shop. So in that time, we had thought we, we could purchase her the building from her and her business and move on but we just didn't have the the, the capital to, mm -hmm. to buy her the building at the time you know it's just like one of those things where god was just working behind the scenes um but we get our name uh from ezekiel 47 and psalm 1 where it talks about trees planted by um streams by of water, water that have fruit to feed people and leaves to heal uh people and so um, our whole mission was to be a place where people could feel God's love and his peace um, without having to have the word of God shoved down their throats. You know, like mm -hmm. you don't have to always, like you said, you don't have to always speak about Jesus, but uh, be about Jesus. And so um, in the matter of, like I said, those whatever long it was, 15, 16 months, it was a long time. People, you know, were like, well, this isn't going to work out. You know, all the people kind of fell off. Huh. Um, but my wife and I. Um, and we had one, one friend that was helping us out at the time and we had a whole lot of support, but there was one other, uh, uh one other guy, Kevin, that was like a silent partner, um, mm. at the time, but we had done it for 18 years, as we said, and we, um, it was hard. It was as much as it was a blessing. It was, I mean, it was hard because sometimes God doesn't always uh, make it easy for you. I don't know if that's the right yeah. way to say, oh, you yeah. know, like. Like you just sometimes get bugged because you're like, God, I'm doing this for you. Why aren't you bringing us the money? Like, not that we were asking for like millions of dollars, but you know, like right. we're just skimping by some days. Like there was like months where we didn't get paychecks or we would get such small paychecks that like 
we would barely make it ourselves. And, mm. um, but it was an opportunity to really be a church without the walls of a church, um, oh, without yeah. being in the church. And so we, you know, we were able to do it and not saying that we loved every moment, if I'm completely honest, you know, like it was hard. It was hard to be about the ministry while you're also trying to run a business. Mm. Um, and yeah. so, um, but we have to allow ourselves because I think what I learned is that God didn't call us to do all the ministry. God created, called us to create a space uh, available wow. for ministry. Um, so especially because we were in Collingswood for five years and um, it was in that time, the first, the last year that I was in Collingswood was when I had gone to seminary. We went to seminary together uh, for the first year. And uh, it was in that year that we felt God was saying, um, you need to move. Um, and so we moved to a bigger space so that we could really fulfill our mission, not just providing good food for people, but creating a, a space, creating opportunities for people to really gather because we basically doubled our size when we moved and able to connect with more churches. We had more Bible studies meeting, more groups meeting. It was just really neat to see, um, to see that. Um, and as we always say, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I don't think we realized the impact we had. Like I felt, and I want to be honest, like I felt like a failure a lot. Um, because we, imposter we barely syndrome or what, what was the sense of failure? Um, cause we, <laughs> we hardly made any money. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, like, um, but that's not success, right? I mean, if we look at the eyes of, of, of the, you know, biblical, the biblical ver you know, uh -huh. vision of what real success is, it's not about making money. Right. Um, it's about changing lives, building relationships and, I mean, we built so many relationships and I think that's where um, I would see the, the things and it would, I think it really came to light. I mean, we would see it like, you know, glimpses of it when people would be coming home from the hospital and they'd bring their little babies that they just had on the way home. Cause like, we oh, need that's to amazing. Um, and, you know, I've been able to perform weddings of um, customers, um, you know, I've been there with, for funerals and other stuff as well. Mm. Um, but it was when we closed, when we were closing our shop, um, as I said, we closed after 18 years, but it was in the last week after we made the announcement that we were closing, uh, that whole week was nuts. Uh, like, well, you like, shut down the street, right? For the end party. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was a line down the street too. <laughs> That's awesome. Like literally the last day there was a line down the street all day long. Like people are waiting in line for hours, like literally hours waiting to come and wow. say their final goodbyes. And just to say how much the treehouse meant to them, you don't realize, I guess, what good you can do by not even have, I mean, I, yeah, we had to do a lot. I'm not going to say it was easy. Why um, <laughs> the stretch of the means. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, like I think I'm just so thankful uh, that God gave us that opportunity to have that glimpse of the seeds that had been planted over that time or the seeds that had been watered. Um, it's just amazing to see because it's, you know, we, we live our lives as, as Christians. We're always taught it has to be inside the church, you know, like you need mm -hmm. to get to people to church on a Sunday, but man, like you can reach people, you know, like outside of the church. There's so many people um, that really 
just need uh, the word outside of the, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're yeah. never going to step foot in your church. So this is a, a, it's a great opportunity. Um, I always thought, um, you just made me think of it. There's, there's the, some people have the mindset that the end line or the finish line is getting people into the pews, right? Yeah. But actually, that's the start of the journey. Because to me, the finish line is going back out. Yeah. And so it's like, where's the real end goal here? Is it trying to get as many people in this one building? Or is it trying to launch people out of the building, like you said, to maybe incarnate the word of God in their own life outside of that building? Yeah. I mean, that's that's the 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 game changer, right? (laughs) That's the Christmas incarnation principle. Yeah. Yeah, to be incarnate wherever you are, because it's not it's not the pastor's job to do all the work. You know, it's it's all mm-hmm. the people. Everyone has their gifts. Everyone has their mission field, really. You know, I think that's where we kind of lost it is that we thought missionary was people that went overseas or went to certain areas. But like you're a missionary, I think, really, wherever you are, you know, Absolutely. like whatever you find yourself, you if you're work, if you're working in your job place. And I'm not just saying you have to evangelize everybody, you know, you don't have to bring some pocket tracks and like, but just being Jesus to people, you know, like people see it, you know, people know if you're for real, you know, especially today, they don't want to, they don't want to hear it because they've seen, they've seen Christians, (laughs) bad versions of Christianity out there right now. Right. Um, We've seen a whole lot of it right now. um, Some just awful versions of Christianity. So they want people that are authentic and that are really mm-hmm. following Jesus. And I think that's really uh, so important that, you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you don't need theological training to to go and be Jesus to people. Right. I think uh, I don't remember who I learned it from, but the word Christian just means a uh, little Christ, maybe yeah. a lowercase c. We're not saying uppercase c. But no, no. what does it mean to be a, a little Christ in your community? You're following in Jesus's footsteps. You know, that sounds like that's a pretty fulfilling life. I bet probably that last week, like you said, and even that last day, you probably saw the um, the strong emotions of thankfulness and appreciation of people. You know, yeah, you must have wept. That, I bet. Yeah, I did. I I there was some crying to be done. Um, so just, I mean, even like my family came out and uh, my wife's family. So it was, uh, and they had been a part of it, you know, like our extended, like our siblings and stuff had all been a part of it. And, you know, just, um, just being able to, to share those moments together and to see it and to, like I said, like not everybody, you don't always get to have that glimpse of the impact that you've made in this side of, of eternity. Most of the right. time we don't find out till we get to heaven. I forget what song that is. Um, there's, there's that song from like the, the eighties or nineties where it talked about like, oh, I can't remember what it is now. It was a pop Christian song, but um, you know, about heaven. Um, I hope it's Rich they, Mullins. Yeah. It might be Rich Mullins. I, I can't remember. Um, now I'm drawing a blank. It's going to hit me like two o'clock in the morning. I'm going to wake up. And- <laughs> That's funny. Middle <laughs> of the night, like, oh, that yeah. was a song. But you know what? What is what's going on with how you're wired? Because shortly after you closed that shop up, then it seemed like you started having some ideas for Lighthouse as well. Well, actually, it was like in that time. Like that's the crazy part. So. 
I think, you know, I, I really believe, um, you know, from the beginning, uh, I'm trying to think straight. I didn't ever want to get into ministry in a mainline denominational church. Um, actually, when I started seminary the first year, I was like, I really don't think I'm fit for a mainline denominational church. It's mm-hmm. uh, we got burnt at the church I go up in. Uh, we got we had some church hurt from there. And um, there's actually one point shortly thereafter that my wife and I start tried starting a different storefront church. Uh, we had met in a shabby chic store in Collinswood as well, and we're doing church out of there. Um, it didn't grow too much, unfortunately. You know, it just wasn't what God had planned, but I still think it it was there for a season, and I think for a reason. Um, but I, I never felt like I, sh- I was supposed to be called to there, but then, you know, God has, God has plans, and I think part of it mm-hmm. was for me to help churches possibly see something different. Uh, I'm not putting, I'm not, I don't want to be egotistical saying that I know the answers because I'm still like, I, I don't know all the answers, but um, I'm a person that can think out of the box um, and I don't mind thinking out of the box. And um, so I, I think that's always been in the back of my mind, uh, but I did grow up in a mainline denominational church. You know, I grew up with the thoughts of if you just put a sign outside of your church, people are going to come in the church, you know, which kind of yeah. what was i thinking you know like <laughs> nope it was that, it's um, like field of dreams mindset if you build yeah, it it will yeah. come if you build it, it will come um but when we had when we were in seminary together we had that class with ron ron cider and i can't remember the the name of that class but it was it was about the whole gospel to whole peoples and i just Absolutely. remember writing um a paper about where we how we envisioned I think church or this type of ministry. And I just remember including all these different elements that he, that we talked about. And the, the really funny part, I just wanted to mention real quick is the TA for that class is now the pastor of the church I grew up in. All right. Wow. <laughs> Full circle then, huh? Yeah. And my mom and my brother still go to church there. It's just really funny when I saw him, I was like, he looks so familiar. Who is he? And he uh, told my mom, Oh, I had your son. <laughs> I was a TA <laughs> in the class your son was in. Um, but that's always been in the back of my mind. All those things that we kind of learned from Ron Sider that year about the whole gospel, the whole peoples, um, yeah. and, and just being ministry, like, as you, as we've said, you know, being Jesus. And so they've been in the back of my mind and during COVID, um, it was summer of 2020, a group of us kind of were walking through the church. We don't have a huge church, but we have a, a good sized church. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're just like, well, what can we do with this space? You know, like I, I've always hated that churches sit empty for the most part, 95% of the time of the week. Um, you mean of the week? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they of just, course. I mean, they're open a few hours a week basically. And so what a waste of a resource. And so we, we got the dreaming about it. Um, but life got sidetracked and we kind of just put it to the wayside and, I don't remember the exact moment, um, but I just remembered it was like November. And I was like, you know, we really need to respond to people's needs. We really, the church wow. is something different than just Sunday mornings because um, I, I think COVID as much as harm as it has done, and it has, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. uh, trivializing the loss of hundreds of thousands of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's also learning that can be done in the midst of difficulty and problems, you know, 
we get shaken out of our routines and out of things that we find normal. And we, you know, have to search for a new normal or search for what's, what's next, I guess. Right. And so, um, is the word for that pivot? Like things have to pivot. pivot yeah. Yeah. Right. Pivot. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a, that's a great, uh, great term. And so during that time, it was like November. And I just remember being like, let's go back to what we talked about over the summer. What, what kind of things can we do with our church space? And uh, so we're like, we've housed the, the, the town food pantry for the last 15 years. Uh, so it's a conglomerate of really four churches that are really involved with it. And so we're open every single week, four times a week or three times a week. People can come once a week and uh, get uh, food for a week, you know, a good amount of food. And so we saw the numbers like skyrocket during um, the pandemic, like of people I that needed food for people that needed food. We also saw, which was incredible, the amount of people that donated during the pandemic, like there was never a time where we our shelves were empty because the community responded. Wow. So, well, it was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. But I mean, there was a point where I believe that at one point we had we were feeding over 700 people in a month. Um yeah, it was. Or were they crazy. mostly within walking distance of your church? Yeah, I mean, some get rides. Like we were, we were open to anybody during the pandemic. Any person that needed food, we we never turned people away, um, which I love about our food pantry. It's not like um, that's incredible. We're turning away. If you need food, we're going to give it to you. Um, so we saw the need jump there, and so we said, well, if they need if they need food, they're going to need other resources as well. So. We had the idea of the thrift store and the cool thing about the thrift store that i really really appreciate is that the church had a thrift store before um it was called fig leaf and it was uh one of the pastor's wives uh, uh, the pastor's name was sweeney uh his wife started it in 1967 and it lasted about 10 years and the money i love that it wasn't used to meet church budget the money was never intended to go back into the church. It was used for different projects and different things throughout time. Like one of the cool things was that it helped with the first Habitat for Humanity house in Pittman. Um, so that's oh, just yeah. really neat to see that. Um, so they did that for 10 years and um, there's pictures of, of the different places because it started in a closet in the church, like this small little closet in the upstairs classroom. Mm-hmm. Then they moved to the church parsonage because there was nobody in the parsonage. Um, but then when somebody was coming in, they decided to move. There's the historic section of Pittman that's called the Grove. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it moved. The borough owned a house that, the, that they let the church use. And, but then for some reason it moved and it had three different homes in the Grove over time. Uh, but it was just a great space for people to um, not just get clothes. I mean, everything was like five cents to a, to a quarter, you know, back in the... 60s and 70s oh, wow. that's how cheap everything was yeah but it was also like a place where people it, it created community um so it was just really neat so we were able to bring that back in, in a way you know we kept the name fig leaf so our, oh, okay. our names uh, our names fig leaf thrift um, but that was only the first step in what we wanted to do which the bigger vision was really the lighthouse community center uh because we felt that you know um, community is so important and it's so lost in our, our day and age right now. Like there's so many, uh, people just don't have the community anymore that they used to have. Mm -hmm. And so 
we wanted to create a space and we thought that this um um the fig leaf could be the first step uh, in that and so it's just been really awesome to see see that um kind of take thing but we wanted to do more than that uh, a lot more than that um did you ever have any pushback from people that didn't didn't think that was the right move to make uh we've had pushback um more for the use of space there's you know like the the fight of whose space is it and who should use it. Like even at first, when I first brought it to leadership, like I, th I thought they were going to be like all about it. Like, and I'd already, I met with a group of people that I knew had the shared the same vision that I did like already, like I didn't have to say much. I knew they were going to be behind me to begin with. And so I talked with them and some of them were in the church and some of the people were from the community. Mm -hmm. um, it was a little bit of both. And so I knew that I, I had my my go-to group, I guess you could say, like my people that were already in my corner. So I was like, all right, let me take it to my leadership team. I know they're going to be behind it. And I was just like, oh, I, I felt like a deer in headlights, like when I kind of got the resistance that I got, like, uh -huh. and a lot of it really came down to building use. And I finally was like, you, you all understand we used, like where the, the fig leaf I already had like planned where, where things were going to be. I needed to come up with some kind of thing to present to leadership. Not like, this is like what I'm thinking, but this is steps that we want to take moving forward. And so we were taking over the social hall mm. for fig leaf and people were like, well, what about community dinners? What about this? And I'm just like, um, mm. as I get to more about other parts of fig leaf or lighthouse that, that would be awesome to do down the road. Um, it was going to take up a lot more space than we're taking right now. Um, okay. But I thought everything except for the thrift store is a versatile space. Nothing is set for one thing only. And I think that's so important. You know, like I'm not, I, I've never wanted to reserve an area for one hour on a Sunday or two hours on a Sunday and you can't mm -hmm. use it the rest of the week. Right. Um, but I definitely got resistance, especially about like the use of the social and I'm like, you guys, we use that four times a year at the most since I've been here. Wow. Like, okay. It hasn't been used that much. Um, and I think once I started explaining it and talking about it more, people got, um, got behind it. Um, yeah. And you know, there was still some like different resistance, but nothing like people that were really against me. Nobody left the church over it. Um, do you feel maybe as though maybe doing all of that though, kind of, um, yes, doing things like missions or, or outreach or activist oriented, trying to benefit people around you, it helps the people that you're helping. But I also feel like sometimes those types of things soften the hearts of the people that are volunteering themselves, you know, oh, yeah. it's almost like my understanding is a lot of churches we fall into the mistake of being very informational and not so much about the transformational stuff. Let's do what changes us, not necessarily only what changes other people or educates other people. Let's be changed ourselves. And that's, that's almost like a hidden agenda that you hope your own people will be shaped a little bit more like Jesus, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And you're giving them an opportunity. I think, and it's still like a really hard, 
push or sale. I don't you know, like yeah. to get people to think past Sunday mornings. People are so stuck on Sunday mornings. Like, I don't know, like I think so many churches fall into it. I mean, if you look at most church budgets, if you look at most church, whatever, like their annual reports, whatever you want to say, the majority of money and time is spent on Sunday mornings, one hour. Wow. Like, it's ludicrous to me. Like, and that, so that's always bugged uh, the crap out of me. Can I say crap? <laughs> yeah, that's fine with me. Well, hold on. I, you know what? I always heard it put that maybe this was Ron Sider. Um, he would talk about how a church's budget is its value statement. Yeah. And we often think about the budget in line with um, the roles or the, the purposes. But I thought that's interesting. Thinking about a church budget from how much of the majority of this money is spent on just Sunday morning activities. Yeah. Wow. That's like a whole other framework to look at it. Like, should a church's budget be primarily about what happens on Monday through Saturday? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's, that really, it was just, it's made me think a lot about ministry and about the church and about the role of the church and what the church really is over time. Uh -huh. I mean, cause if you think about it, so many churches expect the pastor to put, um, you know, X amount of hours into a sermon. I mean, if I, if I really practiced what my one uh, homiletics professor said, <laughs> it should be one hour for every minute you preach. Um, and I was just yeah. like, 20 hours That's or more a on a sermon? That's a lot of hours for one, like, message. Like, I'm just like, it blew me away. But doesn't um, that show an informational bias? Yeah. It's all yeah, about inter sharing information. information. It's not about yeah. incarnating Jesus. Ooh, no, we, and that was it's um, like getting offensive right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that was something that reminded me of something we tried doing a couple times and, um, where we, uh, at one point we had two services pre COVID. And so during the one, uh, a couple of times in a year, I wanted to do it more, but it was really, uh, really difficult where we didn't have service. We went out and did service, which I know other churches do that. Some of the churches, that's but cool. like we did a Palm Sunday a couple of years and um, it was just really neat. We, we had found out ways to connect with people in the, in the community that needed help in some way. Like we raked leaves, we cut down some small bushes, uh, we cleaned a house, you know, like, but it was just an opportunity for us to get out of the church mm. and probably do what you're what we're not like informational, but transformational where we're transformed and we're helping show people that, yeah, people do care about you. Oh yeah. And people are there to help you, you know, but it does it, it, it. I think, I think that's where we kind of mess up because we expect Sunday mornings to be this, like, just like the overarching thing of our faith. And I think that's kind of where mm. the church is really screwed up. Like, because we've, we've made that the, the be all of being a Christian really is like, mm -hmm. as long as you attend church on a Sunday morning, you're okay. You right. know, like, but it, it's, it's, being a Christian, being a Jesus follower is a daily thing, you know, like it, there's so much more to it. Mm -hmm. And that's so much more exciting when you think that way too. Yeah. I don't know if like, I've heard it shared before, like, you know, during the week you you're your own light. Um, and there's different ways that you can keep your light lit. But then on mm -hmm. Sunday mornings, when you come together, it's kind of like you reflame each other, you rekindle each other, Wow, which is good. 
um, and very much needed. We, we, we need to have fellowship with other believers. We need to, to be in worship together. Um, but what are we doing the rest of the time? Like, and is Sunday morning, is that the only type of, of gathering that Christians should really be in? Um, mm. well, I've been having this idea that like God doesn't wait till we have a formal 501 C three before it's qualified as a church group. You know, yeah. if you've yeah. got your little Jesus gathering of two or three where, who are gathered and you're trying to be light together, I'm like, I'm pretty sure God looks favorably upon people trying to be love incarnate to the people around them. But you know, a church is, um, church services sometimes to me feel like, um, for lack of a better word, uh, just passive or interpassive. Sometimes mm-hmm. it feels like it's let's come and watch the people in front have faith. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. I think Soren Kierkegaard, he talks about how we have the roles backwards. We sit in the pews and we grade what we hear, but actually it's more like the other way around where the pastor or the people up in front, it's almost like a theater. They're the director of the play. They're reminding us the, the lines that we're supposed to be saying. Mm. And so the performance thing is switches. They're not on the stage. We're on the stage and they're reminding us our lines in the play. I'm like, I guess because he started to see the church becoming very passive and theatrical, which that's also part of the Sermon on the Mount. The word hypocrite is a theatrical term, right? Yeah. Comes from theater. Yeah, I mean, that's, we, that was part of like the, the two services that we, we started to create at the church. Um, we had our traditional service because there was very much the people that wanted tradition. And I don't really like the term contemporary because I think it's too loaded of a term. Um, But we called it interface uh, because that's more of like, um, you know, a relationship, a meeting, you know. And so I probably could have spent more time trying to really develop that. But it was really difficult Hmm. to get people to try stuff that was different. Um, cause mm. I'm, it just reminded me of, you know, we, we go to church expecting entertainment, expecting to be entertained, you know, to play a passive role. Like you said, yeah, we might get up and sing some songs or put our hands in the air or clap or maybe clap off beat probably. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but like you would try to do different things to try to include them. Like I said, why don't we. Like I tried having times where people would break up into groups and people are like, we don't want to do that. And I'm like, really? Like, they're like, no, we don't want to do that. And I'm like, wow. Like we just want to be talked to. There was a few times where we, I would ask questions and I would, you know, it was more of, I tried to do more of a discussion based sermon um, or Mm. where people could put their two cents and share some of their own thoughts where it wasn't just on me, the, the, the pastor that had to, to give everything. Um, but I mean, I still did the majority of the talking, but it was just really interesting that people can't get past that um, passive role in church. You know, well, we have that paid pastor. He should be doing every part of the service or we're just come to sit in the pews. And, you know, it's that thing where we, well, what do we learn today? What did we take out of church today? Well, I didn't feel God today. Well, 
Whose fault's that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Okay, here's um, – I think this is probably why um, – I don't know. Maybe I always felt a little bit of kindredness with you. I think you're also another one of those people that's okay poking the bear just a little bit. And there's like, there's like yeah. a way of poking the bear where you can make people angry. But there's also – I thought of this maybe like two weeks ago. What about tickling the bear? You find the bear that everybody's afraid to talk about or touch, and you find a way to tickle it. Like, no, this could be our friend if we're willing to confront yeah. this thing that we're afraid to confront, you know? Um, let, I'm curious. we got to wrap it up. But let me ask you, what do you think um, – what would be one of your hopes for the church at large in post-COVID world? Okay? If this is – if we're on the out – lying transition out of covid what do you think is your hope for the church moving forward my hope would be that they didn't just return to what they did before Mm. Um, i think that we're at such a a, a, as you said a pivoting point in our Mm -hmm. in church history i mean i've heard it said so many times every 500 years the church goes through some sort of reformation or reawakening and I think we're at a time of such a It'll reawakening be right, now. right now. Yeah, I, I believe it. You know, like um, I believe it. We're at a time it's so crucial to the, to, to the church. Not that the church can't survive without us because Jesus builds the church. That's not our job. Um, but we have such an opportunity and such a, I think there's more of an openness to change in this time than ever before in the church. Not saying there won't be resistance to change. As I said, Mm -hmm. trying to do the things that we've done at our church, um, which I didn't even get to describe all that we're doing and all that we plan to do, um, which we could do another time if you'd like. Sure. Um, That'd be awesome. But it was just to to stop just focusing on Sunday mornings. Um, I, I, I think that if the church could really go and be Jesus throughout the week, if it's, um, you know, equipping your, 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 your people to do that in their own lives or figuring out ways to do it as a community, um, mm-hmm. as a group of people, I mean, it, it's so, we all have the opportunity. Um, so I think for me, it's not just about getting people through your doors on a Sunday you know, the old ABCs, you know, it's not about attendance, buildings and cash. You know, that's not that's not success in the church, you know, or right. I really think it's success is when we can take the message with us and that we can meet mm. people's needs, um, whatever those needs are. And I think, yeah, growth might be slower, um, you know, when you're meeting people's needs and you're not just trying to evangelize them. But I think building those relationships is so key. And I think my hope for the church is that they would do that, that they would get out into their neighborhoods, um, go and see the need, go and meet the people, go and build relationships with their community, however they can do it, and then see the need of the community and meet that need um, and be known as a church that loves the community or loves the people i would love for all of our churches that's my hope is that churches would be known as churches that love people that's that's brilliant and it's also like the most 
orthodox center <laughs> of the tradition obvious thing to say but yeah but it's it's, it's not so, easy is it like we it's no. it's so it's it's so simple yet it's so hard um there's a lot of laying down your own ego to even help yeah. other people not alone just be helped yeah there's a lot yeah, of um, telling people how they need to be helped and that doesn't that's not it either no it's it's just trying to find that need you know like i i just love the fact that uh you know the thrift shop the cool thing about it is that we're we're set up now for when there is a need we already have stuff that can help people right away and to me that's Mm -hmm. That is so important. That's so key. And people are like, well, we've tried the church thrift stop shop thing before. And I'm like, well, why are you doing the church thrift shop? What's the, is it to meet your budget? You know, like, or is it to really meet someone's need? Right. And so for me, none of that money goes into the church budget. All the money is used for other stuff, but we, we were able to, um, help a, a family that was that lost everything in a tornado oh. uh, we sent like i don't know how many bags of kids clothes for back to school uh, so kids could have new outfits for school or teachers could have new outfits you know set, uh, gave those away for free we've helped single parents that just didn't have enough for their kids and we're just like well you can come and take whatever you need you can come and shop basically for what you need and it's just it's amazing to have that resource available. Uh, not like, all right, church, we need to figure out where we can find the stuff because it's already there. And we're already building community in that space because we have people from the church that volunteer and people from the community that volunteer, which is just, it's so incredible to me. Like, it's not just church folk that are like, I want to, we need to help each other. It's people in the community. Like, we see the importance of what this does and we want to help out with it. And so I think that's, it's a simple way to, to show love. I think, I oh, think yeah. it's so simple. Um, I think um, everything you just said is why you're an impressive human being. No, I'm being serious. Like being compassionate means that you're willing to suffer with other people. And I, that means recognizing the need, but also what's cool is like you said, you, it's almost as though you already have the infrastructure to help people when they finally come to you. It's not yeah, as though people are coming to you and then you're scrambling. You're already ready to help. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, like to me, like that just, it, it felt, it feels like what we should be doing. Right. I mean, if we keep going back to the early church, right. The early church knew it and they always, they, they pulled all their resources together. Yeah. And so when there was a need arose, they were ready to, to meet that need. And so many times we are not poised uh, in such a position to be helping people right away. Like, all right, well, give us a few days, then we can help you. Uh, I was thankful we had our <laughs> fire inspection the other day, which not very, it's kind of stressful in a way because you never <laughs> yeah. know what they're going to find in an old church building. <laughs> but um, when he got down to the thrift store, he's like, oh, this is new. Are you selling this stuff? I was like, well, it's a pay-as-you-can type place. We do, we do pay, but it all goes into nonprofit work. I said, but we also try to help people when they have a, a need. So I was like, if you know any of the people that have a house fire and lose anything, I said, please send them our way. He's like, 
oh, I'm going to tell the fire chiefs tonight at our meeting. And I'm like, thank you. Cause you know, trying to get the word out there is that's awesome. Is important. Yeah. Um, hey, that's God so just good. Opens the door. Yeah. It's just, it's really cool. So, and, and hopefully that reputation ways. will keep growing too. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's really neat because we do have the reputation with some of the businesses in town. They've really helped out. Like one of the, um, clothing stores, it's a, a women's clothing store, just a, um, a young woman owns it. And she gave us like her, her leftovers from last summer. And so we were able to sell those. I think it was last summer. I forget. It was like stuff that had gone out of style, I guess. Mm, but I mean, okay. it's probably hundreds of dollars worth of merchandise that she donated because she believed in what we were doing. And it's just like seeing those connections really is so important. Last, last two questions, I guess. All right. All right. Uh, we already referenced your van. You just have to make mention of it fast. It doesn't have to be okay. long. How awesome yeah, is your it, vehicle? It's awesome. I'm so thankful my wife found it and said, you should buy this. <laughs> <laughs> It's a, it's a 1970, 1970 what? Five, 1975 VW uh, camper van. Um, so it's really awesome. We've owned it for about four years. Uh, it was my daily driver for a while. I would drive it all the time, which this time of year wasn't great because there's no heat. <laughs> um, okay. But it's a bright orange. And as I said, it's a camper. We've only camped in it once or twice. Uh, we had to get some work done, so we're hopefully going to do that this spring and be camping a lot more uh, this summer because our schedules opened up a lot more after we uh, sold our business. After we closed our business, uh, we'll have more time to work on it and get it uh, really camping worthy. But it's it's awesome. 1975, bright orange, back seat folds down, top pops up. Um, okay, I so want to get a picture of it because I'll put it up with this. That'd okay. If there's I'll definitely sent you a picture. Isn't there and one of you just like waving? Yeah. Her name's Dorothy. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you're there's supposed to name times. her after, after your your one of your grandmoms. That's what I heard. Somebody said you own you name your old VW after one of your grandmoms. And I couldn't do my mom's mom because they have the same name. And I thought that would be really weird to have oh. my car named Norma and my mom's name's Norma. So I was just like, nah. Dorothy just seemed to really fit. Dorothy just oh, a yeah. great name. Uh, so it is funny because after I bought her, it seems to be like the thing to get me anything that people that find that's Volkswagen. Like I got uh, Volkswagen stuff in my church office, like different cars. Uh, somebody got me this. It's right behind me. This mug for Christmas. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Oops, I keep not knowing where my thing is. Maybe oh, there you go, right in the middle. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah, so that was my Christmas thing. So it seems to be kind of common. My mom, my mom and somebody else found wrapping paper with Volkswagen buses on it. Uh, so, yeah. You know, every so often you ever meet somebody that they have the right kind of dog for their personality. You're like, yes, you are. Well, sometimes the same thing's true with a vehicle. You're like, oh, yeah, that's that's the personality right there. Yep. So how would yeah, um, how would anybody find Do you have a lighthouse website where people could maybe just look at it and, and maybe. Yeah, we're um, you can find us on Facebook or uh, Instagram, just the lighthouse community center uh, in Pittman is probably the best way. We don't have an actual website, but uh, you can look us up on, on Facebook and Instagram. Cool. Uh, 
Yeah. And you're a hippie. Yeah, it's a great hippie pastor on uh, Instagram. Follow me. I'd love to get more followers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, for once. <laughs> we'll do this again in a, in a few months or a few weeks, whatever. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm game, man. This is great, man. It's really awesome. Okay. We'll uh, see you again. All right. All right, man. Be blessed.